Amen. Well, you may be seated. Welcome to Parallel Church, everyone. If you're joining us for the first time, special welcome to you. Uh, we are uh, Parallel Church, and we named our church that less than a year ago, which is hard to believe. <laughs> but we named our church Parallel because uh, we want to come alongside, and we have, uh, we have a vision to come alongside our communities. We have a vision to come alongside churches. We have a vision to come alongside, uh, uh, you know, you know, you and your marriages and your families in whatever way we possibly can, we want to walk with because Jesus walked with us. An example of that is, uh, hey, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but this week, um, the Alberta government put on their website, alberta.ca, you can go check it out, but they put on their website the volunteer of the, the week, and the volunteer of the week was My City Care, and an entire art article in... On, from the Alberta government, Premier Kenny recognized my city care for the work that my city care did throughout COVID. How cool is that? Amazing, amazing. Many of you volunteers. So if you volunteer for my city care, thank you so much because uh, the impact you're making is being recognized across our province. And man, thank you, thank you. And so, so, so good to be able to take our job back and do what Jesus commanded us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be back. We, Jordan and I, were, uh, we, we actually were on three weeks vacation. How about that? That was needed. <laughs> that was, it was good. We, we, uh, we got to go, and we, in the middle of that, we were at a conference, but we got to go and, and rest and refresh and spend time with family, with each other, and and, but it's good to be home and good to be uh, with family in this room. And we're going to be continuing, yes, still, and let's take our job back in the book of Nehemiah. And I've got a word for you today that I think is going to be, I, I'm praying and hoping that this is going to set many of you free. Because it, it did something uh, in, in me when I saw this for the first time. And... And I'm hoping that's going to set a lot of us free because a lot of us get stuck. Anybody ever get stuck? A lot of us get stuck. And a lot of the, the stuckness, if that's a word, the stuckness that we, that we encounter and that we feel is not from external circumstances as much as it is stuckness in us. And we're human beings, and we all battle with the same kind, this, this same battle. And so I think this is going to set a lot of us free uh, today. And last time we were in Nehemiah chapter 7. You have your Bibles. We're going to continue in Nehemiah chapter 8 today. Last time we were in Nehemiah chapter 7, and Nehemiah chapter 7 is basically a book of all the genealogies. It's fascinating to me how Nehemiah... Um, you know, right after the wall is built and the city's all rebuilt, that Nehemiah, he, he, the first thing he does is sit down and record the genealogies of everybody that, that was involved in the rebuilding of the wall and everybody that's in Jerusalem now. And he begins to record this. And you think, well, that's kind of, it's an odd thing to do first. But yet to the Jewish people, it was the genealogies and keeping accurate records of the genealogies and the families throughout the entire nation was of vital importance because of the promise that God gave to Abraham when he founded that nation, that, that through the seed of Abraham, through the seed of this nation, the promised Messiah, that God himself was going to come and dwell amongst them, that the promise of Jesus was, was here. And so they had to keep an accurate record of the genealogies. They don't do that in the same 
the same ferocity today as they do? If there's one more evidence, again, that Jesus, it was Jesus and made a difference, is, is how, how detailed the Jews were and how much priority they put on the genealogies pre-Jesus to keep a record of that. And again, we learned last time this is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. What we do is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Right, and that, and that, why we do church is all about Jesus. It's, it's, it's not about us. It's not about you know our name. It's not about you know just religion. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And the rest of the book of, of uh, you know the rest of chapter seven is all about the genealogies and, and the records being kept. But let's pick it up in, in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one. It says, "And all the people gathered again." This is right after they finished the wall. He records the genealogies, and right after this in chapter 8, and all the people gathered, everything's finished, the wall's finished, their homes aren't even finished yet, we've seen that, but they gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra, this is the same Ezra that the book of Ezra in, in, in the Bible is, is you know, recorded, Ezra and Nehemiah were all together, uh, the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which was the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, uh, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square which was in front of the water gate, which from early morning until midday, uh, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So every single day from this, from this day for as long as he could get through it, they would gather from early morning. All of the people would get up early and gather at the, at the square, and Ezra would read for hours the, the book of the law. And the book of the law is, is the first five books you know, of, of the Bible that we still have recorded today, the books of Moses. And he would read, I mean, and the people, were, it says, were attentive. I don't know, Pastor Jeremy, they were attentive when he read Leviticus. Like, this is revival happening. Like, these guys are attentive. If you've never, you ever, anybody else, just like me, every beginning, every year, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, and I'm, I go great guns until I get, you know, Genesis is awesome, exciting, Exodus is awesome, Leviticus, stall. Anybody else? Okay, like, I mean, it, like but they were attentive, all the people. This is revival happening here. They, they were attentive to the book of the law. And now look at their response. And Ezra the scribe stood at the wooden podium, which had been made for this purpose. And beside him stood all these guys. I'm not even going to try all these names. Like, like, look at some of these names. There's one guy in here called, if you have your Bibles, like Hashbad Dana. And, uh, 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 uh. Like, I'm like, what is happening? Anyway, poor dude. Like, we'll just call him Hash. I don't know. <laughs> Like some of these names, but but all these guys that they list here, and it, it, the detail is incredible. That Nehemiah has so much detail of of names, and and he kept accurate records of what was going on here. And the names that he lists are the names of the Levites, which the Levites were God's chosen people to be, you know, the the tribe that were were chosen to basically be attentive in the temple and to be basically the workers of of. The, the temple, the staff of, of the then known church. So the verse five says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people and when he opened it, all the people stood up. 
Now think about this. This is the reverence. This is the respect. This is, this is the fear of God. This is revival happening that when he opened the book, he opened the scroll, people stood up. They all stood up and, in, and, and attentive. And they're not sitting there casually listening to this. They're attentive. They're pressed in. And you can see this is a move of God. This is a move of God. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. See, right there, you can, it's a, you're allowed to respond in church. There we go. There we go. Good. It's good. Come on. We, we can do it. While lifting up their hands. Look at there we go. Like, we got it. Good. And they bowed low. There we go, Ralph. All right. Good, good job. <laughs> He's working it. And they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, the reason why they did this, think about this. They stand up, and, and Ezra's reading the law, and they bow low. And the reason why they bow low their faces to the ground is because Moses, uh, Ezra is reading what Moses had written about the law. And many of them might not have heard this before. And if they had heard it before, maybe they hadn't heard it since they were a child. Every, every Jewish child is trained in, in, the, in the book of the law. That's just part of what they were. But when he's reading it, what, the reason why they're bowing low is because he's reading the promises of God and he's also reading the warnings of God that if you stray from this law, you're going to be led into captivity and be banished from the land, which they have just lived and experience for 70 years, they have lived in captivity. Remember, they came from, from you know, the captivity to rebuild, restore Jerusalem that had got destroyed 70 years before. But, you know, and, and all of the things that God had warned them about, they had lived and experienced. And they're reading the law and now they're reminded, that's why. That's why we were raised in captivity. That's why, and, and they're bowing low, and they're feeling incredible remorse, regret, fear, guilt, and they're bowing low, their faces to the ground. Verse 7 says, all these guys, Jeshua, Benai, all the guys, all the Levites, uh, explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Then verse 9 says, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe who taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. In other words, Nehemiah and Ezra are recognizing this is, this is, this is a special day. This is a move of God. This is a day that's going to get recorded that we're reading about it 4,000 years later. Like, like, this is a day, this is a special day. This is a holy day. That God is, 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 is choosing this day and marking this day in history and saying this is, about, this is a turn. This is, this, is, this is a change. This is, God is showing up here. Right? When we hear this, now listen, when we hear this is a holy day when we hear a reverent day. Come on, come on. I grew up in church. Anybody else grew up in church? I, I grew up in church, and when we hear this is a holy time, a reverent time, what we all do is we kind of do the same thing that they do. 
This is, when we hear holiness and God, we get quiet, we get solemn, we get, we get serious, we bow our faces down. This is, this is holy. This is, this is quiet. God is here and we say this is a holy time. You ever been in a service where like, God's here, everything gets quiet and hush. And when we bow down and we get our faces to the ground, much like they did. And Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra are recognizing this is a holy day. But now watch. They said, this is a holy day to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. I'm thinking, how strange. Because put yourself in the moment, and in the moment, the reason the people are mourning and weeping is because he's reading the book of the law, and they're seeing how far they have strayed from the law. The book of the law, come on, this is a kingdom moment. The book of the law is is the the king of kings governance. It's how he wants, it's his rule book of how he wants his kingdom to be governed on earth. And as Ezra and Nehemiah, as Ezra is reading it, they're starting to see and recognize, oh my goodness, we have not lived according to the ways of our king. And the response is what your response would be, my response would be, is to repent. And, and, and in repentance, we automatically assume that repentance means groveling. Repentance means weeping. Repentance means mourning. And we're starting to say, think about this. Ezra, just picture this. Ezra reading the Bible, the people stand up. As he's reading it, the weight of that starts to hit them, and they start slowly but surely, they begin to bow, and they begin to, you hear weeping, just starting to trickle through, and people begin to bow, and all of a sudden the entire audience, the entire crowd, there's 50,000 people here. The entire crowd is on their face before God, and you think that Ezra and Nehemiah, Pastor Ezra, Governor Nehemiah, you think they would go, this is a move of God. This, God is doing something here. He's breaking his people. This is good. And Ezra and Nehemiah stand up and go, no, 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 no. No. Get up. Don't mourn. Don't weep. And I'm thinking the people, it's like, you're, wait, Nehemiah, you're breaking the moment. This is repentance that's happening. This is revival that's happening. Ezra, Nehemiah, what are you doing? They're like, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Don't mourn, don't weep. You see how disruptive this would be? How shocking it would be? To me, the people responded correctly. It's like, it's like they read the Bible and they started to see their sin and they're sorrowful for that. That's what I would do. When you start to see anybody else battle with regret and remorse and shed tears from that remorse and that regret, anybody else? And the shame and the condemnation and the natural response is to bow low, the natural response is to curl up and cry and weep. And imagine, imagine just even in a one-on-one counseling situation and coming in and I'm so sorry, I did that. And you're expressing that remorse and it's like, stand up, stop crying. 
You're like, what? It just doesn't seem right, does it? Do not mourn and weep. Then he says this, for the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. And to me, I'm looking at that's the right response. That's the normal response. But Ezra and Nehemiah are like, no, 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 no. Stand up. And then verse 10. Then he said to them, Ezra did, go, eat of the fat. That means get the best. Get the best cow. <laughs> like, get the good meat. Drink of the sweet. That's not pop. Just so we're clear. Get, that's not water. The water's not sweet. This is, get the good stuff. And send portions to him who has nothing prepared. This is so strange. This is so strange. The people, this is a move of God. This is a holy day and you're expecting, and people are dropping like flies and they're weeping and they're mourning. They're seeing their sin and they're recognizing it. And you'd think that the governor, Nehemiah, is like, that's right. You guys see it. And he's like, that's right. They're getting it finally. And they're like, no, 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 stand up. Let's prepare a feast. Let's get the best meat. Let's get the best wine. And let's share with those who don't have. We're about to throw a party of parties. For this day is holy. No, 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 wait. We don't throw parties and holiness and parties don't go together. Anybody else grew up in church like I did? That, that, that church was like, I was, a, I was the kid who got the ear twist. Anybody else get that? And you, you can't run in church. And you can't, you can't, you can't, as a kid, you can't voice anything in church. You can't say, you got to be quiet and respectful. I had to dress up in little ties and all, all this kind of stuff and go there. And I had to be, I'm like, I'm a, I'm, you know, I was a little guy with a little bit of energy. Surprise, surprise. And I was like, I had all the twists. I had all this kind of stuff in the silence. And I thought going to church, I thought, this is, this is God's house. This is holiness. This is, this is, you're in a holy place. So you have to go in quiet and solemn and respectful and no noise, certainly no wine, no brisket, like never had that at church. All they ever gave us at church was egg salad and tuna. <laughs> Watered down juice and whatever that called that was coffee, whatever, that, one, that one the sweet. Come on. That wasn't it. And Nehemiah and Ezra, like, and you, and you gotta repent, and, and the holiness shows up. And Nehemiah's like, no! Get the best. Let's throw the party. This day is holy. Let's throw a party. And then he says this: Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we quote that all the time, but we I, I want you to see what it means. You gotta see what it means. In the in the the, the, the circumstances in which Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength, I need you to understand what you need joy for. It's you need joy when you have the most remorse. You need joy when you face the most regret. 
You need joy when you're facing condemnation. Listen, condemnation, that's not God. Condemnation is the devil. The word simply means it's a con of damnation. It's a con. It's the devil's con to keep you trapped in the past. And what Nehemiah and Ezra were doing were like, no, 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 no. We are going to throw a party. We're not going to get trapped in regret of the past. Because listen, 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 listen. Repentance doesn't mean to grovel low. Repentance means to turn. And what Nehemiah and, and Ezra were doing is they're saying, you're not focused on where you've been. We're not focused on where, where uh, we're not focused on our past. We're turning and we're looking at our future. We're not going to get trapped there. We're going we're gonna to focus on our future because, listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't need strength for your past. You need strength for your future. And Nehemiah and Ezra are like, no, no, no. It's good for us to learn from our past, but we're not going to get trapped in our past. Because God, this is a holy day. This is the turn day. This is the we rebuilt the wall day. We've, we've recognized that this, this is a different time. Yes, we know how we got to where we got. We understand that. We read the law. But we're not going to focus on what we didn't do. We're going to focus on what we're going to do. This is the day to throw a party because we were lost, but now we're found. And when you need joy the most is when you're trapped in your past and in your regret and in your loss and in what didn't happen or what you didn't do or what you did do, whatever it might be. That's the time when you need the joy of the Lord. That's the time when you need the strength. The devil wants to keep you in your past. Listen, you want to keep you in your past. Others want to keep you in your past. Because you feel like you deserve the pain. Because you cause pain. And so you feel like, I, I hurt somebody. So therefore, I need to do penance. Come on, that religion wants to keep you trapped in your past. I need to do penance. I need to experience pain because I cause pain. So therefore, you're, trying, you're trapped there and you're trying, you're trying to, you're, and you're wallowing in that and you like to keep yourself here and you feel like I need to hurt. I need to feel the pain because I cause pain and I need to do that. And God's saying, and Ezra and Nehemiah are saying, no, 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 no. No. Stand up, eat, drink, share with others. Because the joy that you need, the strength that you need, you can recognize, you can recognize what you've done. But the strength that you need is because you, have, you recognize that, but you're not trapped there. You're moving on. And look what happens. Come on, someone needs us today. So the Levites calmed all the people. Why'd they have to calm them? Why'd they have to calm them? They calmed them because they're like, they're all murmuring and they're, st they're like, this, is, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, come on, anything God does is not normal. 
Anybody figure that out yet? It didn't feel normal. And they're murmuring and going, we, we should, we're supposed to party now? We just read the law and we saw how much we've sinned. And you want us to party? And the Levites are having to come because the people are standing up and they're looking at each other like, what is wrong with these two? And Levites had to calm them down, saying, be still, for the day is holy. And then they had to repeat it. <laughs> Stop crying. And all the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions and to celebrate a great festival. Not just a little one, a great festival. Because they understood the words which had been made known to them. They, all, they got a revelation of how good their God is. And you know who else got a revelation of how good their God is? The enemies that had been trying to get after them for so long. They started hearing this party and they, the fear went, and the shudder went through them. And when you get up and realize that the joy of the Lord is your strength, you know who's going to shudder? The enemy. Because the enemy wants you trapped in your past because if he can trap you in your past, he'll stop your future. And when you stand up and saying, I once was lost, but now I'm found. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not going back. I'm pressing on. He shudders. Paul, of, of pretty much anyone that Jesus chose. Do you ever notice that Jesus chose the most unlikely? Just, just in case you're thinking, oh, God could never use me. He used loudmouth Peter, doubting Thomas, betrayer Judas, tax collecting Matthew. Like, questioning everything Andrew, and he called Paul a murderer. Why, why can I say that? Because in the book of Acts, when Stephen was killed, it says that Paul stood there approving, and then Paul was commissioned by the church of the day to go and gather the Christians. And it wasn't until and to persecute them and to kill them. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 9, Jesus shows up himself and confronts Paul. And you know how Jesus confronted Paul? Why are you persecuting me? That's not what Jesus said. So if there's anybody who could have been trapped in their past and going, I've killed followers of Jesus. I've, I've arrested them. I persecuted Jesus himself. He told me I persecuted him. Anyone who could have got trapped there, it would have been Paul. And yet, if Paul had been trapped there, like Judas did, by the way, Judas got trapped in his mistake and he found no way out. Peter, by the way, made the same mistake. And yet Peter, with Jesus' help, found forgiveness, not just from Jesus, but for himself. And because of his regret, he would leave that in the past. He was able to accomplish his future.
And Paul, look, this is, this is what Paul wrote. Paul wrote this in Philippians. Three, verse 12, he says, not, not that I've attained it or have already become perfect. Because they're looking at him and saying, well, you're Paul, you're preaching. You're always like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm far from perfect. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. He says, I, I, didn't, I didn't get trapped in my past, not because I didn't deserve to get trapped there, but because Jesus didn't go to the cross for nothing. And the moment you get trapped in your past and in regret, listen, religion wants to keep you there. But Jesus set you free. If you get trapped in your past and if you have to pay, if you have to get punished for your sin, then what Jesus did on the cross, it negates everything Jesus did on the cross. And Paul's saying, Paul's saying that. He's like, listen, I'm not trapped there because Jesus laid hold of my future. Then he says this, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing that Paul said, this is the one thing I had to figure out. And listen, I, I want you to hear this. This is the one thing you got to figure out. This is the one thing I got to figure out. One thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. This is what Nehemiah and Ezra were saying. Get up, forget what lies behind. Because the mourning and the grieving was stuck in the past. Forget what lies behind, reach forward to what lies ahead. And then he says this, I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. He says, the reason why I forget my past and the reason why I press on to the future is because there's a high calling that God has made me on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this, that if I get trapped there, I miss my calling. I miss my goal. I miss what God has put me on earth to be. And too many people have missed their calling because they got trapped in their past. Because we call that repentance. And repentance just means turn. And I think repentance means to turn from your past and to turn towards your future. Saying this is what I'm called to be. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, none of us are perfect. Jesus made us that way. Have this attitude, and if anything, you have a different attitude. If anything, in, in anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. In other words, this press on mentality, what Nehemiah and Ezra were saying is this is an attitude. This is an attitude, that an attitude, you can have an attitude of remorse, of regret, of condemnation, of being stuck. You can have that attitude, or you can have a God attitude, which is, I'm pressing on. I recognize my mistakes. I'm learning from my mistakes, but I'm not stuck in my mistakes. I'm pressing on. And if there's anything different, because listen, this is not natural, is it? It's natural for us to get stuck. It's natural for us to have regrets, remorse. That's, that's what's natural. And he says, if there's any attitude in you that wants to turn 
and, and focus on what was, then he says, God will reveal that to you and you're gonna see and focus on what, what is. Because there's an attitude that you must have. This one thing, this one thing I know, forget what's behind and press on to what's ahead. Help us, Jesus. Anybody need this today? Today's takeaway is this. I'm leaving my past in the past. And I'm pressing on toward my high calling. Now in this series, we've recognized that we have misunderstood Christianity. We've misunderstood our role as the church. That's why we've called it, let's take our job back. And trust me, as we've gone through this, there's lots that we can repent for. But I want you to hear something, church. This is not the time for us to grovel, not the time for, this is a holy day. This is a holy day. This is the time for us to stand up, to celebrate, to throw a party of parties and saying, we have seen where we have missed it, but we have, we have, we have eyes to see and we need the joy of the Lord as our strength for the future because what God has called us to is much greater than what we got called from. Come on. We can repent of our past, but we don't need to grovel in it. We need to rejoice and press on towards the high calling in Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much. You're so good. Thank you so much for your forgiveness and that you're not stuck in our past holding it against us God I pray that you give us the strength we need the joy that we need that is our strength to forgive ourselves so that we can press on toward the high calling that you've given us and Lord, whatever that regret may be, whatever that remorse may be in this holy moment, Lord, we lay it down at your feet. And I pray right now that a spirit of joy would rise up in each one of us right now that we've never experienced in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says in Romans 10:9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to run through a prayer with you right now that does exactly that. And it's not joining a church. It's not joining a religion. It is simply just a relationship with God. So I'd encourage you guys to close your eyes, bow your head, repeat this prayer after me. So dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my Savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name, 
amen amen so guys if you prayed that prayer for the first time first off congratulations uh, and if you believed uh, and accepted jesus into your heart today congratulations on an amazing amazing decision we are so so excited for you uh, as second off we would love to be able to help you out be able to uh, just be there for any part of your journey there so if you have uh if you prayed this prayer for the first time and accepted jesus into your heart there's a link that has been posted in the comment section click on that link fill out that form that or you can go to parallelchurch.com uh, and fill out the connect form fill that out let us know that uh, you accepted jesus into your heart today and we would love to just be a part of your journey love to uh, help you out in any way that we possibly can